developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome to Top 5, a show where we uh, rank things, we give them Nielsen ratings, we turn them on at 7 o'clock p.m., and we watch them in prime time. This is Top 5, and this week's Top 5, the Top 5 shows we loved as a kid. Top 5 shows we loved as a kid. Now, a couple of things that we want to point out here. This was, I think, suggested (laughs) by one of our listeners. Uh, We're defining kid as anything before you turned 19. Okay? Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay, so you're a kid. So still got a couple years. And number two, we're not talking about shows in reruns. Right. So we're not talking about the original run of Star Trek that you watched in 1975. Okay. We're talking about right. so f- shows that were either in syndication. Nothing that you watched in 75, Zach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not talking about Nick at Night shows. Don't right, count. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For no. Zach's, well, probably you too. No, I, got the, I got the caveat. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll start us off this okay, week. Okay, okay, okay. With, I forget how old I was. Seven. No, older than that. Uh, Twelve. Fifth grade? Sixth grade? Ten. That was like eight, isn't it? Probably. No, not eight. Fifth grade is ten. Ten years old. Oh, there you go. Dude, I have a fifth grader. Yeah, I have no idea. The A-Team. The first two seasons of the A-Team, when it was still somewhat believable before it got totally ridiculous. Right. Uh, uh, I said before it got totally some, ridiculous. You said somewhat. I'll let you have it. Um, <laughs> I remember just going to school and everybody... After that episode, everybody was talking about the A-Team. Uh, you couldn't get people to stop talking about the A-Team. People were figuring out who they were going to be in the A-Team and what kind of crazy things uh, that people were doing. I think it was the combination of guns and mercenaries and stuff blowing up in prime time. That was quite a bit different than watching Dynasty or Dallas uh, or Knott's Landing. Uh, this idea of the A-Team... These fugitives running away from the military each week was really kind of cool. And the fact that they were the the bad guys. Well, they were framed for a crime they didn't commit. Yeah. But they were but they're fugitives. They were fugitives almost sticking like it to the, the man. Fugitive. Almost like the fugitive. <laughs> the first two seasons of that show were great as a 10 year old. And then it, I forget how many seasons it went. Five or six or seven. Something like that. Five. I want to say. Ugh, okay. But uh, A-Team is my number five as the top five shows that we loved as a kid. Loved watching that, and I got really disappointed on nights when I had either some sporting event to do or um, had some uh, family thing that had to go on and conflicted with being able to watch the A-Team. So We didn't have DVRs back then, Zach. No, we didn't. We didn't even have VCRs back then. So yeah. well, They existed, but they were $1,100. Zach, what do you have for your number five? My number five kind of falls right into a wheelhouse when I was... Oh, you know, kind of towards the end of elementary school, still in that weird kind of kid phase that I stayed in for a couple of years. And that was the animated show that took place under the sea, inside of a pineapple, and in under a rock. And that was SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, the show 
came out, I think, when I was about eight or nine years old. And it ran for a lot longer than I ever realized. Uh, really dug the show. I don't know why. It's just like really uh, over-the-top, kind of crazy, to a almost annoying point of humor. Uh, especially when I look back at some of the episodes now, I still think a lot of the episodes are really funny. One of the first things I, uh, videos or TV shows ever bought off of iTunes was a, a 30 minute episode of SpongeBob that has two of the, I think one of the funnier episodes of the show when they go and try to, uh, SpongeBob and Patrick try to scare with the flying Dutchman for a night. There's a lot of good stuff out of that. And then when they go camping and they sing the campfire song and there's sea bears, it's a great episode if you want to check it out. I think it's one of the highlights of SpongeBob. Uh, it, it got kind of weird when I got like in high school and this show was still going on. There was a lot of weird, like semi-adult humor, like weird it stuff still happening. Is. Yeah, uh, yeah. I is think it's still running. Yeah, yes. SpongeBob Squarepants. Yeah. 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 yeah, my son watches it. The 2014 season is one episode in. Wow, yeah. that is crazy. Yeah, uh, the weird movie that's coming out for it looks really strange and weird uh, but yeah I was really into this show my dad was actually super into this show and he was an elementary school teacher and kids would buy him Spongebob merch and yeah. up in his classroom he just had a wall like a top shelf a huge long like 15 foot wall of just Spongebob stuff that all nice. of his kids had bought him uh, so it was, it was kind of a fan favorite in, in my household and we still kind of do some quotes from Spongebob today cool Matthew what do you have here number five well, it's actually kind of um, an amazing bit of synchronicity because my number five, like your number five, is an awesome butt-kicking action-adventure story, Stephen. But just like Zach's number five, it has to deal with weird fauna in unusual situations. Um, now, I, I, I am stretching the rules a little bit because this show ran before I saw it, but I saw it on its first airing on my continent and that's why I'm going to I'm going to put it through. Danger Mouse, which aired on Nickelodeon in 1982-83. Basically the story of a mouse who is the greatest secret agent in the world. And you can tell because it's in his theme song. And his sidekick, who's a hamster, uh, codenamed Jigsaw, because when trouble starts, he falls to pieces. And it's extremely limited animation, which they make up for with really clever and sometimes too clever writing. The main villain is actually called uh, Greenback. Baron Greenback, who is kind of a reference on the character Cyrus Redblock, or excuse me, not Cyrus Redblock, the original character, based on Sidney Greenstreet. Essentially, when you get into that weird referential phase to where he's got very, very, very limited animation. There's like three shots that appear in every single episode. Danger Mouse gets in his car and he drives away and then he does some kung fu and then Penfold says crumbs. Really awesome show. And it was one of my earliest introductions to that strange, absurd British sense of humor. I think I saw this around the same time or before I started really getting into Monty Python, which this was clearly influenced by. But you should check, I think, I think it was on Netflix. I know that I have a DVD of all of the episodes, and I watch them with the widget, and she's like, boy, this animation sucks. <laughs> but she found it quite funny, and it's entertaining that he lives in the mail slot of 221 Baker Street. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So he basically is the mouse who lives under Sherlock Holmes's door. Great costume, great car. My God, the car is amazing. I would drive that car. Five inches long. I'd still drive that car. But yeah, definitely cool. My number five, Danger Mouse from uh, the BBC, 1981-ish-ish. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number five? Uh, let's see. My number five, uh, again, kind of a, a weird coincidence, like all of your shows, is a is a television program about a space cowboy. Um, <laughs> I I have to admit at this point that I was not paying attention to what any of you said about your number five. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I heard SpongeBob. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So there's this show about a space cowboy. And he's got powers based on animals, um, <laughs> and he has to protect this town. But when bad guys show up, the town kind of like goes into this fort. Like arms come out, and they like pull like the shops and stuff into the fort. Yeah, and then his horse turns into a guy. Um, I'm talking about Brave Star. <laughs> Brave uh, Star. Brave Star uh, is. Was was a favorite of mine, and one of the big reasons I didn't realize it at the time is because it was such a weird synthesis of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, interestingly, has uh, what is, you know, again they're in space or whatever, but what is a Native American character, a, a person of color, as a hero, but he's also a cowboy, um, which is something that you didn't see ever, anywhere ever. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was kind of watching this weird moment in history about something that would never manifest again. <laughs> um, he had kind of uh, magical Native American powers, but also was good with a gun. He had a half robot horse that turned into a guy. Um, his girlfriend was a judge, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, his, I think his main antagonist's name was Tex Rex. Which is a great name. Um, I think it's Tex X. Is it Tex X? Okay. Tex um, X with an H. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what? I watched a lot of the show in Spanish, so there they could go. have changed it there to Tex Rex. Oh, oh I, I should point out uh, my list, I specifically picked stuff from when I was very young. Mm-hmm. That's um, fine. So, because again, because there's so many cartoons that I loved and so many shows that I loved go- growing up as a kid mm-hmm. that I was like, for this, if I don't limit it, then I'm just going to kick myself. So these are all, actually, all of these are shows that I watched when you were a be- kid. before I was 11. So 11 and younger, um, because I was like, I'm just, uh, I ended up just going with shows that I saw before I came to the United States. Mine all happened to take place between the years of 1982 and 1987. Oh, there you so go. there you go. Everything you talk about took place between the <laughs> there, years You know, we've talked, we've talked about that. We've talked about that, yeah. and, that and that theory of that. So. Yep. So interestingly, another thing about Brave Star, not the only space cowboy show within the same five year period, but definitely the only one that makes my list. Cool. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, my number four uh, takes place in uh, ran uh, well kicked off in 1982 and almost didn't make it past its first season because the ratings were so low. It was like 74th out of 77 uh, shows that were running on network television. And I remember seeing the first season and going, wow, this show is really strange, but somewhat interesting. And then it seemed to just maybe it's just because it was on the summer transition. But then it came back and it was like almost a totally different show. But it is a show about drinking alcohol and it is a show about people going to their favorite bar and sitting back and 
having adventures. And interestingly, when we look at sitcoms and we look at the modern sitcom, they kind of take place in multiple locations. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not like a single set location. Yet in the TV series Cheers, everything takes place in the bar called Cheers in Boston. It took place in the main bar, the back room, and Sam's office. And this introduced some of the funniest characters in, in pop culture history. Uh, you had characters like Norm and Cliff, the mailman. Uh, you had Frasier, which was uh, spun off into his own uh, show years later. Yeah. You just the whole Diane and uh, uh, Sam thing was was a big deal. And it was so funny and it was so smart and so well written as a comedy um, that it seemed like the show would go on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did. Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> you know, with the with the death of Coach um, in I forget yeah. what season that was, the tone of the show really kind of fell apart. Sure. And, and a lot of people will point to the actor who played a coach as kind of one of those binders that after he was gone, it just wasn't the same after that. Although some people could argue that some of the best shows happened after coach was gone and it was just Woody and Sam uh, in there. Yeah. Uh, and this was a great launching point for many, many actors. I mean, if you look at and you see some of the yeah. people that were in that show and you look and see where they are today, it's amazing at, at what people have, have done. Yeah. Um, and the theme song was just, was awesome. I remember, Probably the year after it came out, the, in the second second season, when the show started to take off, I remember playing this both on my trumpet, um, <laughs> and also that's one of the songs I learned when I was playing piano. Nice. Was the theme song from Cheers. So, play a Annie? what's that? You can play a pie Annie. I can play. I used to. I, it's been a long time. It's been a probably. It's probably been at least twenty years since I've sat down to play the piano, and it's been at least twenty five years since I played uh, trumpet. So yeah, no, I. I've played many instruments in my life. So. I'm going to take a stab at this and say the coach in this show is not Craig T. Nelson, the coach. No, 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 no. 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 This no. was an old. Just he wanted was a, to make sure. He was an old coach. In fact, um, he was Sam, the owner of the bar, mm-hmm. uh, was his coach uh, when Sam was a professional baseball player. And Sam was a drunk alcoholic. Uh, ironically, the alcoholic is now dry and runs a bar. And coach was there to. Provide a lot of comedy relief because uh, he was. Pentuso. Yeah, he was essentially Yogi Berra uh, yeah, in television great. television for, form, and he was great. There's a really great joke, Zach, where uh, Coach makes Carla the waitress mad. She takes off his necktie. He wears clip-ons. Yeah, throws just it in the, the same one, and <laughs> blends up his tie and walks away. And Coach grabs it and says, "Hey." Anybody want a Mai Tai? And then just starts <laughs> laughing hysterically, which I think was a, probably not a scripted joke. I it, think that yeah. uh, either not a scripted joke or one of the best deliveries ever. Yeah, or he just yeah delivered and <laughs> yeah. Who was that? Uh, Nicholas uh, Colasantra Santo. Nick Nicholas Santo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a great, just a great character <laughs> actor in that piece, and of course Woody Harrelson uh, comes in. You've got uh, 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 Ted Danson, Shelley Long, Rhea Perlman. Alley. Kirstie Alley, Kirstie. George Winch, oh John Ratzenberger, uh, Kelsey Grammer, um, just so many people coming in on that show and so many guest pieces coming into that show. Yeah. Cheers kind of served as a crossroad for many popular shows on NBC at the well, time. And actually, We've talked about Cheers, this before. Cheers is also an important crossroad in the uh, Tommy Westfall theory. Yes, it? it is. Yeah, because everybody comes into Cheers to have a drink and we see them pop in, even if for just a moment, and then out they go again. So... 
I loved watching that show, and in, though even though the show continued well on into my college years, where we would literally go to a bar on Thursday night and watch Cheers wow. while we were drinking. And it was one of those weird, weird instances where we'd go to the brass rail, and everybody was there to watch Cheers because they would turn up the big TV. <laughs> we'd all sit and drink. We would watch the show. When it was commercial, talking occurred, and when the show came back on, it's all part of must-see TV. Mm-hmm. You know, this uh, Cheers, Seinfeld, uh, Frasier, and um, Friends. By so. the way, I recently watched the first episode of Frasier, and it is amazing how they had the formula down from episode one. Yeah. Usually, a lot of sitcoms kind of struggle to find that. Like, mm-hmm. Frasier is Frasier from the get-go. I, and I'm pretty sure it's because it's the same creators of Cheers yeah. who yeah. took on um, who took on Frasier. Yeah. Yeah, so. they, they blew the training wheels off earlier. Yeah. So that is my number four, Cheers. My number four is set in the same state we're recording in now. Whoa. It's confusion? confusion? No. I, <laughs> you guys. Don't even know what that is. State of confusion? State uh, of confusion? It's a thing. Okay. Oh, Population now. Zach. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. Steven and I collaborated on the same joke, and Zach no-sold it like a pro. Thank Our you. little boy is growing Thank up. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so my number four uh, is the, really the first show I can remember becoming like almost fanatically attached to to a point. It kind of dropped off really quick, and I'll get to that. Uh, but when the first season of Smallville came out, I was probably in uh, about fourth or fifth grade, and I kind of really dug that thing. I didn't really know what was quite going on. I knew this guy was supposed to be Superman, but he wasn't wearing a cape. But I was just kind of going to go along with that, and it was kind of weird. And it, it had this interesting thing where it was the first, uh, like, almost dark television show. I remember mm-hmm. watching. I don't know how, like, I haven't gone back and watched them. I don't know how relatively dark it is. But I remember, uh, especially for, like, a, f- a five-year-old, it seemed like there was some, you know, some more heavy-handed kind of stuff yeah, going yeah. on in there. And so that was kind of important to me. Uh, and then, uh, so I lived in Eudora when the first season came out. I mean, the yeah, first season came out, and then we moved out to Quinter, uh, probably in the mid of the second season, which then we didn't get the channel, the WB, oh, that Smallville stupid. didn't come on. Yeah. So my mom would tape the episodes, and by tape it, I mean she recorded it to a tape, which, oh, that is weird. Um, Thinking about it? Yeah. And then I'd see her every once in a while. And then she'd give me a bunch of tapes, and then bring them back in the corner, and then I'd get to watch them again. Yep. Uh, and I only did that for about a season, because that's just too much for it. Yeah. Give me a DVR. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, well, and then, you know, our stupid cable company. Yeah. Well, here in town, it was, for us, for me, mm-hmm. uh, the last two seasons above the Vampire Slayer, because I didn't have the CW. Uh, yeah. And I kind of had to yell at him multiple times, say, could you please bring this network on... Uh, on the channel. Oh, well, maybe we'll do that. And then finally, after Buffy ended, that's <laughs> yep. when they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when they did Doesn't it, was, which was when CW kicked off and and had the whole uh, Smallville. Smallville yeah, yeah. So Smallville was uh, pretty important to me in my younger years. I'd actually never finished all the show. I heard it still. It was still probably relatively good. Uh, maybe worth go back and reading. Maybe not, or not reading, watching it, or you can read it. Whatever subtitles and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's my number four, Smallville. <laughs> Matthew, uh, what do you have? My number four, um, I'm not nearly as young as you guys, and the things that stick in my brain apparently stuck at a later date. This 
barely makes the call. Because when I was 18 years old, I left the small town that I grew up and went to the bustling metropolis of Hayes, Kansas, population 25,000 in the spring when the kids are in school. And we had different channels there, man. And one of the things that I was able to watch for the very first time was the HBO Comedy Channel. And on the HBO Comedy Channel, they had a whole bunch of stuff that I'd never seen before. So one of those ha. Yeah, it was bef- no, the HBO Comedy Channel merged with Ha oh, okay. to make Comedy Central. But in 1989, it was still the Comedy Channel, at which point, you know, a very young Jon Stewart had a show. But there was a lot of stuff on that that's really, really memorable. And then there's also my number four, The Higgins Boys and Gruber, which is a kind of a sketch comedy show in a weird sort of kids in the hall, Monty Python vein that is literally the guy who calls himself Gruber, Dave Allen, who was also in The Naked Trucker Show as The Naked Trucker. Mm -hmm. Um, And David Higgins, who is now, I think, the head writer for uh, Jimmy Kimmel's show, either Jimmy Kimmel or The Tonight Show, and Steve Higgins, who I only know him as, you know the heavyset guy on Malcolm in the Middle who was the mom's manager who was clearly in love with her? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's him. That's Steve Higgins. But their show had these weird, weird skits and weird recurring things. And one of them was probably the funniest thing I've ever seen, Captain Lucky, which was essentially what if a, a an amusing kids show host who used to be a sailor was an actual sailor? <laughs> so he would have these things. Okay, kids, remember, tomorrow's liquor cabinet day. So uh, bring whatever you can find as long as it's in a bottle. And remember... Uh, smokes are good too, but it's, it's interesting comedy. It's weird stuff. I think they did maybe, I don't know, 15, 17 episodes. It was on for like a season and a half and then disappeared, but I still very rarely will quote this show 25 years later. And you may think, oh, that's not unusual. You quote things for no reason all the time. And that's true. But this is something that's a very small sample size. So in their per quote, per capita thing, very influential show on me and what I consider to be funny. That's a why. My number four. When it came out, I was 18. So that counts. I was under 19. Yep. The Higgins Boys and Groover, 1989. Rodrigo. Where are we at now? We are at number four. Number four. Uh, my number four, and I just tweet, tweeted this like uh, video intro to you guys. Uh, my number four is a show that uh, I watched when I was very little, and it was so fantastic because, okay, picture this. An orangutan escapes from the zoo. No. What? Okay. <laughs> I'll start over. Okay. An orangutan <laughs> escapes from the zoo, and a family <laughs> adopts her, right? <laughs> That's the, that's it's, that's the premise. A suburban family adopts an orangutan. That's enough of a premise right there, right? <laughs> Wrong, because a uh, a uh, flying saucer flies by, zaps the orangutan, and gives her superpowers. Two bumbling criminals notice this or realize this somehow, and then make it their job in life to kidnap this orangutan. Who has superpowers yeah. to use her to commit crimes. Is uh, her name Roxana? Her name was Roxana. 
Roxana Banana. Roxana Banana, in fact. Um, I remember I, this. This show in the United States was called Going Bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, it stars a very young James Avery. So, like, I, I didn't realize it until today when I was looking through it. I was like, oh, my God, Uncle Phil is in this. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's just such a weird show. But I, as a kid, I really, really liked it. It also had um, segments that had um, just uh, basically... Um, shots of animals in the wild and then they would play them back and forth and back and forth and put like funny voices over them yeah like just randomly and as a kid i thought that was hilarious um this was (laughs) such a weird show and you know you can really trace why yeah and it also had a really catchy theme song like super 80s theme song yeah um which i remember to this day um they didn't translate it uh but yeah, I mean, such a, such an, ins- it's, it's a show that really amazingly doubles down. You know, it's like, yeah. it's enough. It's enough that you have this animal show. Just any weird wild animal living with a family is enough of <laughs> yes. a premise. But no, <laughs> she also has superpowers. Yeah. Yes. Uh, going bananas or Ms. Banana or Roxana Banana, depending on where you live. <laughs> now, when the show came out. Very cool. Yeah, I hated that kid. I hated. Oh, the protagonist the kid. kid. The the one with the, the the boy with the snub nose. Yeah. Who was what, like twenty or something. I want I want to punch him now and I I've, I've probably seen twice, three times this show, maybe. Yeah. So imagine oh so we're we're now to our number threes. Imagine if you will, living in Hawaii on a two hundred acre estate owned by one of the world's best known crime novelists. And you are hired as private security. For the grounds, you get to live in your own house. You get to have run of the estate. Well, when the major domo is not uh, causing problems Mm -hmm. and you get to drive around in the author's awesome Ferrari. And when you're not doing security on the grounds, you get to go and be a private investigator for a bunch of other cases that are going on in the great state of Hawaii. Talking about Tom Selleck and Magnum P.I. Yeah, that was an awesome show. And I keep thinking back. Just how weird it would have been if he had been cast in Raiders of the Lost Ark instead of Harrison Ford. And for people that don't know that story, uh, Tom Selleck and Harrison Ford were both up for the role of uh, Indiana Jones. And Harrison Ford didn't want to do it because he was attached with George Lucas and uh, Steven Spielberg with through Star Wars and didn't want to kind of get an American graffiti and didn't really want to get called into that. They originally were going to give the role to Tom Selleck, but he'd already made this commitment for this 1980 television show, brand new startup called Magnum PI, and it was going to be shooting in Hawaii, and he wouldn't have had time to go and do it. And so he turned down the role, potentially of a lifetime, until Magnum PI took off. Yeah. Because, not being sexist here, but there are a lot of people that like seeing Tom Selleck in those short shorts Mm -hmm. and his cheesy mustache and him jumping out of the water a lot week after week. And, of course, the guys liked it because it had a Ferrari, and you could right. wear a Hawaiian shirt anytime you wanted. I'm sure there are plenty of guys who liked it because of the tight shirt. I'm Tom sure, I'm yeah. sure, as well as Tom Selleck. But it was such a well, I mean, it was a good show. I wouldn't say it's well-written, because uh, the final season, and the well, prior to the final season, well, a bit of a spoiler, back to 1987, Tom Selleck is shot and killed, or Magnum P.I. is shot and killed, and the uh, and he's doing this, 
And he spends like an episode, his final episode, he's like a ghost trying to help this kidnapped girl. Wow. And then the final, ep- that episode of that season is him walking into heaven. Then the next what? season he comes back. Wow. Yeah, it is. It was really weird. When I saw this, I don't think I saw it. Yeah, at the end of the seventh season, Magna was killed off, which was intended to end the series. The final episode, Limbo. However, following outcry from fans who demanded a more satisfying conclusion, an eighth final season was produced. And I remember that. And they had to bring Magnum back to life, which really got weird. But uh, and he didn't come back as a zombie or anything like was that. He, I was going to say, was he a vampire? Nope. But uh, one of the interesting things about this show, the voice of Robin Masters, who played the mysterious, never seen um, owner of the estate voiced by Orson Welles up until the very final episode mm-hmm. when they got another actor to come in and play him, which was pretty cool. And, uh, Unicron to be his boss. That's impressive. yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course it had, uh, Oh, it had, uh, John Hillerman playing, uh, Higgins, the, uh, the major domo of the state. And you had, uh, Roger Mosley, who was his, uh, helicopter pilot friend and, uh, Larry Minetti who owned this club kind of, a. Uh, patterned very much after Rick from, in fact, his name was Rick in the show. Rick. And he had a, uh, he was the manager of a nightclub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, Rick from Casablanca. Yeah, right. yeah. So Larry Minetti, Roger Mosley, and Tom Selleck were all uh, in the same unit in Vietnam. And so there are times where there's flashbacks to Vietnam and they have to go back into Vietnam to rescue a fallen hero. <laughs> um, but it was just a great little detective show that ran on CBS for eight years. Yeah. Uh, so it's Magnum a- P.I. A great kind of, and I mean, and we'd seen it before, yeah. but a great stratifier of that formula of detective show mm-hmm. in a picturesque location. Yes. Episodic. Yes. Boom. And it's like today we're still seeing Magnum P.I. as Bird and it Notice. Was, and it was really an excuse to show off scantily clad women any chance you could yep. get, show off an exotic location, which again, mm-hmm. back in the 80s, it was a big deal to go vacation in Hawaii. Still yeah. today, it's a big deal yeah, to go yeah. vacation in Hawaii, but not as many people were doing it back then. So put that combination well, together. recession and, on. Yeah, there was. My parents went to Hawaii in the eighties, and it was very much different from yeah from what Hawaii is today. So, um, I was not allowed to go. It was the eighties. I was not allowed to go. But, uh, let's see. Who are we at? Zach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Zach number three. Zach number three. My number three is, uh, you know, it's one of the first sitcoms that I. now, it wasn't the first sitcom that I truly loved for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. but it was one that taught me a lot about the kind of humor that I like, and this one really cemented the idea that Zach likes awkward humor. He likes it when things feel awkward, because you never know what's going to happen, everyone just kind of doesn't know what to do, you kind of just let that sit, and then you chuckle a lot, because you're not in that situation, you just going to watch it. Uh, so my number, th- my number three is the office and, mm-hmm. uh, I, I really enjoyed the office. I actually had, didn't watch the last couple seasons, uh, after Michael Scott left Steve Carell from the show, I actually heard the last season was pretty good and worth your time if you kind of follow the season. And it was a show that taught me that, uh, some, some comedies are better if you watch a few of them and understand the characters more where you can't just like plop down into a show and you think it's funny. You kind of have to understand where each of the characters are coming from yeah. to get the humor they're bringing in each episode. And so, I mean, I think a lot of people know The Office kind of follows the antics of workers inside this paper company where no one really seems to want to work besides the one crazy boss. 
Um, and so, and so I, I think actually when they went on the creators of the office and they made parks and rec, mm-hmm. which I think is much better than the office. I think is it's funnier. I, and I think I, it's a well better show. I, I, I will, show. Yes, I will, yeah. I will agree because I hated the office, <laughs> yeah. but I love parks. Yeah. And rec. I think parks and rec is wonderful. It's, it's much, it, the humor is completely different, yeah. but I think they did the workplace single camera comedy better than did the office. Yeah. Um, but I, I I really do like The Office. We still talk about it a lot. Um, and there's just like a this weird idea of just how awkward can you kind of make a situation, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. which is translated into other movies, uh, especially that Steve Carell has been in. What was that one Steve Carell movie where it's him and Paul Rudd? And 40-Year-Old it, Virgin? No, the one where they have to go to the dinner and it's like a oh, dinner dinner for, dinner for schmucks is one of the most awkwardly comedy com- comedic movies I've ever seen, and I didn't stop laughing the entire time. And it kind of felt like Michael Scott uh, turned up to eleven mm-hmm. in that show. Um, but I, I really enjoy The Office. I'll still watch it if uh, I'm at a place with cable and there's some uh, syndication going on. I still think it's a really funny show, and uh, that's my number three. Excellent, Matthew. What do you have for your number three? Number three takes place in a world long, long ago in the 1970s. Something that I don't actually know if I've said a million times yet, but I'm sure I've touched on. When I was a kid, I didn't necessarily watch a lot of television. You know, kid, kid. I read a lot of books. My grandmother was actually a school teacher, and so there were just immense amounts of books spilling out of every corner of the frickin' house. But when I actually bought my own television... I had a problem in that I got up at like 4.30 in the morning to go deliver newspapers. So most days, I didn't have the ability to sit and watch a lot of TV. And by the time I did, it was like, you know, 1982. But one Saturday night, I sat up late and I said to myself, I'm going to watch this thing over here. And what I saw was a man dressed as Gumby standing next to a man dressed as Pokey the horse doing fart jokes. And I said, I like this. This is interesting. I shall watch this. And what it turned out to be was the season of Saturday Night Live where Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo became the huge breakout stars. <laughs> yeah, they did. I want to say like 1982. I'm Gumby, damn it. I'm Gumby, damn it. <laughs> and then, of course, you had uh, a season not too long after that. You had Martin Short come in. Give me a C, a bouncy C. And then you got to the horrible, you know, there was a dead zone there for a season or two. And then you get your Phil Hartman, your Dana Carvey, and your Mike Myers. And you get, you know, uh, the Jan Hooks. My God, my crush on Jan Hooks was visible from space. But to this day, Saturday night is still my late night because I'm sitting up and I'm watching Saturday Night Live. And just because one of the first things that I saw was Joe Piscopo in a horse costume going, but I lo- loved that show. And when it fails, to me, it's actually funnier. <laughs> when they have to try and sell you a terrible sketch. Tim Kazarinski used to do a, a repeating bit on uh, Weekend Update as Dr. Tim. And at one point, he would come out and he would tell you about made-up uh, made up diseases and then he would do riffs on diseases and one week he was doing riffs on impotence and he got to the end and he's like and only one man in the world suffers from impotence and ladies if you'd like to help me with a cure here's my mailing address and he holds up a card 
And of course, the the newsreader was like, "No, no, no! You can't do that. You should be ashamed of yourself." I laughed. I I was dead. The audience was just like, "What?" But I thought it was the funniest thing ever. My number three, Saturday Night Live, probably thirty years worth of obsession now for me. You guys remember when you uh, had your first TV? Your yeah, like yours, my, like my when own. I was a when I was a kid, my parents had a little twelve uh, inch, you know, whatever that size, twelve inch, thirteen inch black and white aerial television. And so they would let me drag that into my room and it kind of stayed there unless they needed it for something. So that's when I got to watch things like, uh, Dr. Who and Monty Python and stuff when I'd come home late at night. And when I really kind of fell in love with, uh, Johnny Carson and, and David Letterman, but it wasn't mine. I didn't buy my first TV until I was in college and it was a little 13 inch color TV VCR unit. And I was like maybe a junior in college before I could even buy that. And that was a big decision for me. To yeah. buy just that one unit. Do you remember when what your like first TV was? Yeah, I think my first TV came around because my parents got a new TV. Mm. Um, now, by this point, my sister, I think, had actually like strongly petitioned for her own TV. Mm. And she got it. She, yeah. My sister got, who's younger than me, got a TV before I did. Yeah. Um, it's and always I'm, the case. Like, I'm not, it, it was, but like, it, I wasn't like bitter about it. I was like, I didn't know I was allowed to ask for a TV. <laughs> like, that seems like a big deal. And my sister was yeah. like, I want a TV. And my parents were like, all right, well, for Christmas, we'll get you a TV. I forget exactly how. Yeah. But I was like, like, I remember like scratching my head and being like, I didn't, I didn't even know this was legal. <laughs> <laughs> but sure enough, like three years later, maybe my parents got a new TV and they're like, hey, you boys want this? And we were like, sure. It's like we, my parents were like, we are tired of you playing video games while we were, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, on on the main TV. So here's a TV for you to play video games on, and that's mostly what I used it for. Yeah, we heard yeah. Matthew's story. What about you, Zach? Yeah, my first TV came about because my parents were tired of me playing video games out in the living room while my stepmom was trying to sleep because she was working night shifts. Mm. So they finally got one for me for Christmas, and so I could put. Uh, my Xbox and my 64 all up in my room and just sit there and play video games all day. I, you know, I tried and then to I just do actually that. bought my first TV like I, two weeks ago. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I tried to do that with Mason. I was like, buddy, you're, you know, we can put the Wii in your room mm-hmm. and here's a, here's a nice monitor. We can hook it up. Everything was going good. And he was just like, I don't want to play in my room. I want to play out in the living room. So we had to bring everything back out to the front. So <laughs> there's always this battle of who's watching what. So right, right. just convince him. Maybe, you know, another year or two when he realizes it's fun to be in my room by myself yeah. Uh, away yeah, from yeah, mom and yeah. dad, I can go in there and do crazy stuff. Yeah. So who knows? What do you have for your number three there, Rodrigo? My number three. Um you you might have you might have heard of this one. It's about four characters. Yeah. Uh four main characters. There's other characters as well. Uh but they're the world's most fearsome fighting team. Yeah. Uh, they're heroes in the half shell and they're green. Mm. Do they eat pizza? Uh, they do, and uh, when the evil Shredder attacks, those turtle boys don't cut him no slack. Ah, I see. Um, mm. I'm talking about the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon from the super early 90s. Um, and uh, <laughs> I think it was, was before the 90s. You. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was the 90s. No, the, was it? Yes, because it I remember was. distinctly. No, there was must have been a limited. No, there was a mini series. There was a animated mini series that came out first because it was before I went to college, and it was a big deal because this whole week they ran like the first five or six episodes of this thing, and I remember going getting up early in the morning to set the VCR because it was on like channel sixty four or something out of Kansas City. One of these really. You're right. It was eighty seven. Yeah. Well, there you go. 
Dang. I thought it was later than that. Yeah, because I remember I still I in, so still too. in high and, school. And, about and that. actually, yeah. the reason for that is because we did um, our uh, top five movies from the eighties mm-hmm. recently, mm-hmm. and I was like, I know what I'm going to throw in there: Ninja Turtles. Oh, and actually, yeah. Ninja Turtles came out in 1990, mm-hmm. I think. So for yeah, some reason, I thought that the movie predated the cartoons, but it totally doesn't. Um, hmm. So that that that's why I thought it was in the nineties. But anyway, I probably watched it in the nineties. Um, and uh, yeah, I that's that's one of those things that I couldn't miss. Like I couldn't not, I could not not watch Ninja Turtles. Like I've always been a really calm person, mm. um, and a pretty reasonable child. But like I would, I would like get like I don't know. I would like start like freaking out if I couldn't watch Ninja Turtles when I was on. <laughs> Um, it's, it's just one of those things. I'm like, I had what I thought was a song memorized, but they didn't translate it. Right. So I used to watch it. The, the cartoon itself was translated, but the song wasn't. So I'd been living in the United States probably for a couple of years before I like went back and listened to the song. And I was like, that's what it's saying. <laughs> I have no idea. Like I had like most of the phonemes that I would just say, but I was like, I have no idea what the song's actually yeah, saying. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, I, like I was like. Oh, the lyrics in my head are probably a little better, but eh, this is good too. <laughs> I don't know if it's if it's sad or good that I remember. I remember moments of wind shows were based on where I was watching them. Like the first time sure. I remember, I remember like coming home from like track meets late on a Friday, like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock at night. Must have been eleven o'clock, and or after a football game late at night, and going up to my bedroom and shoving the towel under the door and turning on the. That little black and white TV to low and and trying to make sure my mom wouldn't wake up and come yell at me to wake up so I could watch this Doctor Who thing on Friday nights and mm-hmm. and uh, remembering Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I remember going downstairs yeah. to set the VCR so it would come on and everything so that's kind of crazy I don't know uh, my number two it's interesting the A team was a team of uh, Vietnam vets Magnum PI th- uh, both of his friends in that series they were all from Vietnam. Uh, my number two show also features a character who was a Vietnam uh, vet trained uh, or yeah, trained as a scientist, but served as a bomb team technician and then became a secret agent for the uh, United States government. He would go and try to solve things by using science and things around him. Guy's name was Angus MacGyver, although you never really found out Angus until I think much later. Because he didn't like Angus, always went by MacGyver. And I think there was some story about his grandfather or something mm. is where the Angus name came from. But I remember when that series debuted, I was like sold and uh, loved watching all the things that MacGyver would get into and how he would cobble things together. And even though you can't really build a uh, hot air balloon out of glued together raincoats, there is still a bit of science in what is going on. And I love to go to class the day after MacGyver would air. I want to say it aired on Wednesdays or something like that. Um, I would love going to my physics class the next day and just tormenting my physics instructor uh, (laughs) over that show because he would watch the show to find all the scientific inaccuracies. And then we'd have a debate in class. But in the process of him saying that none of this stuff was real and me saying, but what about this, this and this? We actually learned 
a bunch of science concepts based out of MacGyver through our debate. And everyone in class loved it because it's like, <laughs> oh, new episode of MacGyver. And then, of course, mm-hmm. there were other students in the class who were getting into it, too. But it always sparked debates about, well, what does this mean? How does this work? These kinds of things. So there's actually some learning out of the TV show that uh, that came about it. But I just I just love that that show uh, ran from 85 to 92. So there you go. MacGyver, my number two. Zach, who you got? My number two is a show that I fell in love with on a hunting trip. Now, that seems weird, but let me explain. Uh, When you live in Kansas, you're exposed to hunting a lot. So I was going on my dad with a hunting trip with his fellow, fellow man, and they were down the hall after a long day of hunting, which uh, I'll get is horrible because hunting is cold outside and you have to wake up in the morning. Not happy already. Then they go watch a football game. I don't really like football very much. I'm in my own, our own, own hotel room and I start flipping through the channels and I find this show and it kind of just speaks to me. And it's like these young kids and they're like doing weird things when they're in school and they're talk back into their teacher, but the teacher's all wise and stuff and lives across the fence and eventually, I watched long enough, and they're in middle school, and I watched long enough, and I think they skipped some time, and they're in high school, and now these two people are going to get married. And that's when I ended that long night of binge-watching Boy Meets World. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You watched the entirety of Boy Meets World <laughs> no. at night? No, no, no. I think they're just skipping around, but it, I know the last episode I watched was, like, the invitate. Like, they did this weird thing where they were going to get married, uh, Corey and Topanga, and the ending of the episode... They like come up on screen and they're talking to the audience like, oh, go to the website and you can totally see our like wedding invitations and stuff. I like remember that part. Yeah, weird. But uh, so oh, that TGIF. Yeah, which I didn't even really know was a thing until recently. I guess oh, there was a block of shows or whatever. Yes. Why are you explaining to us? I don't know. Well, but Boy Meets World was awesome. There's the audience. Yeah. And this is why we have Zach here. Zach is like. Uh, He's our everyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the the Jubilee from the first episode of the 90s X-Men he's, since we're in this thing. Yeah. We, he gets explained why the X-Men exist, but the X-Men are already here. Yep, exactly. <laughs> he's Wesley Crusher on the bridge of the Enterprise asking, what about the E-band radiation, Jordy? Yes, and one day I, I will expose my alter ego as Will Wheaton and I will have more money than all of you. It'll be great. Um, <laughs> that is not hard. <laughs> Uh, More so, money than all Boy of us. Meets World was, was were pretty awesome. A lot of our friends got involved in it, and uh, you know, it's interesting because you can like watch them grow up. Is one of those yeah. shows, and you're kind of growing up. And I mean, they were like way ahead of us, but eventually, you know, we kind of caught up and got to watch them and do all their crazy antics in college, which is some of like the best episodes. Is when they actually go off in the college. Have you seen Girl Meets World? No, I haven't. Is, is it? Have. Is it any good? It's not terrible. Yeah. It, uh, it it's very much a Disney show, but I think the fact that it has Corey and Topanga as the parents with the original actors really sells mm-hmm. it for me. Yeah. yeah. There there are some issues and this is just my comic book guy coming through. There are continuity issues based <laughs> on this version of the show and watching the last 4 seasons of the old show. Uh, yeah. Wow. The the time frame doesn't quite work out unless you fudge a couple of things, but you know it's an interesting enough show, and it's got you know a nice, cute little uh, teenage girl protagonist who isn't grating or overly loud. So I like that. 
That's Boy good. Meets World is Redcon City. <laughs> really? Yeah. If you if you watch the last season of Boy Meets World and then mm-hmm. you start like if you watch the seasons backwards, you can yeah. see time like changing as yes. you go. Like um it was a big important thing in the last handful of seasons how uh, basically, Sean, Corey, and Topanga have always been friends and have always been together, and that yeah. is not true. Mm-hmm. That, is, that not is not true at all at the beginning of the show. Topanga's big sister, Ch- uh, Chuck Cunningham's halfway through the show. Topanga, in the mm-hmm. early season, has a big sister, Nebula, who disappears. Yep. She has four separate dads, including Lenny of Lenny and Squiggy and Peter Tork of the Monkees. Yeah. That show, I really think, takes place on Earth-12 and just moves around the multiverse. Yep. Cool. Uh, Matthew, what do you have for your number two? Well, my number two is definitely not Boy Meets World. Okay. But it it would have happened at about the same time frame in my relative lifespan as it would for Zach and his hunting trip. And I discovered this show entirely by accident. But it really accidentally, and I think probably without my knowledge, shaped a lot of what would later become my career. And the reason why is it started with this kind of weird, goofy guy who said funny things and did cool stuff, leaning over to a microphone and saying, Booger! Which, you know, that's metaphorically what I do. And actually in this show, literally what I just did. Uh, WKRP in Cincinnati ran for four seasons starting in like 1978 the 70 seventies show that ever did seventies. And I say that having watched, you know, Charlie's angels, <clears throat> this show is really funny and really fascinating because it's all character interaction. And even though it does have a little bit of that same problem where sometimes people's origins get retconned, they go to the trouble of doing an entire episode to explain why one of the characters who started out as kind of a recurrer, Venus Flytrap, and became a main member of the cast, why his story doesn't quite jibe. They built a story around his story not jibing and turned it into a really dramatic moment for Venus. And it's a fascinating look at what it's like to be in the broadcast industry. It's funnier than any of the radio or television stations I worked at. But it is weirdly appropriate. And all of my tenure at KBSH in Topeka, Kansas, basically was this show. Uh, right down to the entertaining engineer. Bucky Dornster was his name on the show. He was really funny. But if you look at the just the program itself, it's just a bunch of people walking around. It's kind of, you know, one of those workplace sitcoms. There's a million of those. But the way the characters interact, it, start, it starts out as one thing with, you know, a main character who's supposed to be the only sane man. And then it turns out that everybody else is really funnier. So it turns into this huge ensemble comedy. I highly recommend it. The sad part is I don't think you can get it because they used actual popular music. And getting it on DVD is absolutely murder because of the music rights being such a pain in the neck. But WKRP in Cincinnati is one of the more consistently funny shows and actually kind of a realistically funny show as long as you realize that turkeys can't fly. Uh, And that's why it's my number two. Very cool. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number two? Uh, My number two is a 
television-style cartoon from the far-flung land of Japan, mm-hmm. which uh, first appeared in uh, Mexico to huge outcry from parents because it was such a violent show. Um, now, if you guys have watched, you know, Dragon Ball Z or anything like that, shows that came after um, the, and if you watch the original Japanese versions, they are a lot bloodier. Um, in in the United States, a lot of these shows get got uh, censored, but in Mexico they didn't. And in fact, this show barely made it to the United States. Um, and uh, so Americans know it as Saint Seiya in Mexico is called Knights of the Zodiac. And eventually, Knights of the Zodiac appeared in the United States, um, but it was like a heavily censored version because people kept getting punched and, like, blood would fly everywhere and they would turn mm. that blood, like, blue or green. Yeah. Um, in, in the in the censored version. But, yeah, this show was super cool. It was a bunch of kung fu guys <coughs> who wore kind of, like, really small armor. Um, but their armor, when, you, when they took it off and they'd stack it, it formed, like, animals and it was based on the Zodiac. Mm. So, like... Um, all the main characters were kind of these like secondary constellations like Pegasus and uh, Draco and, oh, and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. And then the first season, they're all fighting each other. And then the second season, there's these antagonists. And all the antagonists are the main constellations that we know from the major Zodiac. So Ares and Taurus and all of these things. Oh, and wow. then And then the game, the game, the, the show just gets weirder from there. And eventually, um, I just totally lost track of it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it is, it was a show that was formative for me. If you look at the, the, the things that I draw and some of the stuff that, that I do, there's a lot of Saint Seiya in that, in that, um, it's also, it also introduced me to a lot of tropes about TV shows. Like I, I had never thought critically about TV shows. Um, but when I got to the start to get to that age, I started really thinking about it. It's the first, um, instance of a punk out i had ever seen and i remember being Mm. really annoyed at it because there's this guy that fights the good guys and the good guys can't dent them and they finally like they literally all they can do is kind of distract them and then they freeze his hands and he can still move them and stuff but just like literally his fingers are frozen together he laughs and he lets them through because it's like ha 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 you little puny guys you're gonna get squashed anyway and you managed to freeze my hand so it's okay and like the first thing that they do the next season a bad guy shows up and just like one punch kills him. Yeah, yeah. And this is the new bad guy of the show. And I was like, as a kid, I, even as a kid, I remember being like, that sucks. <laughs> that is the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm going to keep watching because I love this show, but I hate that. <laughs> um, so that that might have also been the moment where I officially became a nerd. The moment, the moment where I was like, <laughs> I hate that they did this. I'm going to keep consuming this media. Yeah. So yeah, yeah my number two is Saint Seiya. Cool. We are now, ladies and gentlemen, up to our number ones. Number one. I changed my number one because I realized that how can I not put this on my list? Mm-hmm. Um, Tales of the Gold Monkey? No, although I, uh, you know, the Tales of the Gold Monkey came out on Wednesday nights. Growing up as a Catholic, on Wednesday nights, uh, you had to go to church yeah, class. Yeah, see why, yeah. And <clears throat> church class just so happened to be at the same time as Legends of the Gold Monkey. So mm-hmm. I think, and but my sister was not old enough to go. So while she got to see every episode of Legends of the Gold Monkey, I think I got to see a total of one episode of Legends of the Gold Monkey before it was taken off the air. If only there was DVR. If. This would have been maybe right before we had our VCR, because for some reason, I 
remember my parents, for whatever reason, not recording that. Yeah. For some reason. We're in recording a, Dynasty. Well, maybe there was something else on Wednesday night. Oh, that's right, because we only had one VCR. Mm-hmm. There was something else going mm-hmm. on on Wednesday night that bumped that. Damn. My childhood sucks. <laughs> no, but I remember my number one show. And I was doing some research, so if I wasn't talking much, I was double-checking some things. Uh, but I remember as a kid going to my grandparents' house on a summer. People have heard this story before. As summertime, my grandparents didn't believe in air conditioning. It was open up the windows, and it was nice. And they lived in uh, in uh, Lenexa, which was at that time still the outskirts of, oh, geez, yeah. of uh, Kansas City, right? <laughs> and so it was quiet. And you could hear some traffic every once in a while. Uh, but you could you could lay down while my parents were out doing whatever they were doing. And I could lay down, and my grandparents would come in after we ate some ice cream turn off the lights in their living room. We turn on the big TV, which is the size of a giant credenza, you know, and uh, my grandfather TV was huge. The screen was the screen. Yeah. yeah, The screen was probably 21 inch, maybe 27, maybe. Um, But the credenza, I mean, literally the thing was bigger than this chair that Rodrigo is sitting in. Mm -hmm. And I would kind of lay down and just listen to my grandparents watching uh, this television show. Now, interestingly, Tom Selleck was in this show, which is fascinating. Uh, but he played a much different detective in in this show. He actually played kind of this guy called Lance White, who was always winning. He was always the the courageous. He was basically walked in and solve a crime, even though he was kind of a dope. But very rich, very uh, well-renowned, which was quite opposite from the character that he played then on Magnum P.I. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I kept thinking that Simon and Simon appeared in this show as well, but I was mistaken. It's just Gerald McRaney who appeared as a recurring character uh, in this show for a number of years. But Simon and Simon did have a crossover with Magna PI. Mm. Um, <laughs> but this is a, a detective TV series where the detective lives in a trailer down by the beach uh, is taking on cases, often hard luck cases. He's barely able to make rent month after month after month. Um, but he takes hard luck cases. Sometimes he gets paid. Sometimes he doesn't in the early seasons. He was always getting messed up with the mob, which I was always love that part of it, but, uh, always such a good natured guy. And he drove a gold, uh, what was it? Corv, not a Corvette, um, firebird trans am, uh, drove it around all the time. And the actor who plays Jim Rockford used to do his own driving in that series, so when you see the big uh, reverse fishtail stuff, uh, that was uh, James Gardner doing that. Nice. TV show, of course, I'm talking about is The Rockford Files, which ran from like 1970-something to uh, to the 1980s and then had a bunch of made-for-TV movies after that uh, in the 90s. But there is something about The Rockford Files that still to this day I sit and I will watch episodes that are now on Netflix. All the seasons are on Netflix now. I will sit there and watch an episode or two, and I'm just like, wow, this is still really good storytelling, even given the constraints and some of the the craziness that was 1970s, early 80s television drama stuff. Um, and some of it's based on real life events. Some of the things that happened in the TV series actually had repercussions in real life, such as um, um, grand juries and what they could and couldn't do. Uh, there was a whole episode where James Gardner was called before uh, or uh, Jim Rockford was called before a grand jury, didn't know why he was being called in and they were asking him questions he didn't know anything about. And so they found him in contempt and they threw him into jail and got busted up. But because of that 
episode, the grand jury process was changed so that you were, when you were called wow. in before a grand jury, you were told why you were being called in before the grand jury. Wow. And then, of course, there were um, just so many good good things, but there were a lot of bad things about the Rockford Files as well. Uh, a lot of trucker stuff because Jim Rockford's dad was a trucker, so they tried to throw in a lot of truck, trucker CB stuff from the time. But if you're looking for a, a good detective show, go watch the Rockford Files. And still to this day, it is my number one favorite TV show of all time. So wow. there you go. I love the Rockford Files, and I was very sad when uh, James Garner passed away. So because I never got to thank him for the awesomeness that he brought. Oh, he knew. I'm sure he did, but dude, he was he was James Garner. I wanted him to know how much I loved his TV show. Zach, what do you have for your number one? My number one. I was happy that we did this topic, and then once we like clarified the rules on top five, which is something we do, which is something like super nerdy. Like we need to clarify the boundaries of what we can do in this in this episode. <laughs> yeah, or, but if or but or if, we, yeah, yeah. if we didn't, then yeah, oh yeah, there's a you know Star Trek would have made it on the list, but that didn't yeah. air when we were no no no. Kids. So, but I was happy, uh, mainly because of the age restriction, because I finally got to use this answer as a number one answer, because I usually leave it as a default for someone, uh, you know, older than me who had like a more of like a, an awareness of the idea yeah. and didn't come into it late. So my number one show that I watched before I was 19 is Seinfeld. Because oh, yeah, I go. never, I never get to use it in the context uh, that we usually use it in, but Seinfeld started uh, like two years before I was born, and it ended God. and ended uh, when I was seven. Uh, way to make me feel but, old, Zach, because I remember the first season that that was on, and I was in college. <laughs> but uh, Seinfeld is one of my favorite shows of all time. Mm-hmm. I I'm pretty sure I've actually watched every episode of Seinfeld through syndication, and I think I actually watched. Like the last two episodes when they aired on air with my mm-hmm. dad, but I, 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 I don't know. It just the show is just I. I think it's consistently one of the funniest things I've ever watched. Um, now it's interesting going back because when I watched it, I was so, so young. It was like in, a lot of it was in junior high and high school. I'd come home and be on like TBS or something. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't get many of the jokes then, but now as I go back and watch it, it's even funnier than I realized when you understand <laughs> what they're actually talking about in some in some of the like More seminal risque. Seinfeld one, yeah. like with Master the, of Your Domain, yeah, the Master of Your Domain episode. Episode makes way more sense now that I'm a little bit older. <laughs> uh, but regardless, even even it's still funny because Kramer's doing weird things, and, yeah, yeah. and you know Newman's doing weird stuff, and Jerry making fun of everyone, and George is just a weird guy. We know what a reservation is. I don't think you do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good, and uh, if you're on Twitter and you're not following Modern Seinfeld, yeah. I think you're doing a disservice oh, yeah. because yeah, that's funny. The, in my mind, there's no way a writer of Seinfeld is not behind that account because it is perfect yeah, every yeah. time if you've watched seinfeld and you read their modern seinfeld plots they're 100 yeah, perfect every on. time yeah. and i just laugh as i just play the episode through my head tweet they don't do time. very many it's yeah. been really scattered there so was like a while coffee dad is like the good. coffee dad account where the yeah. dad yeah, like coffee dad mm. gonna get gonna go ahead and get some coffee yeah <laughs> you ever have <laughs> coffee have you ever really followed that yes i actually <laughs> follow coffee dad and frequently retweet him when he <laughs> up on my but have you followed it when like my son's dead 
Oh yeah. And then <laughs> oh, there was a there's this whole time where he's like went into this depression because his son died and it's like, oh well, time to go have coffee. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a joke or if the guy was being serious. There were there, there's this since we're into this weird tangent, <laughs> there's this account called Self Aware Roomba. Oh yeah. Oh. Where it's just like a, a Roomba I've that like yeah, that. that that realizes that you know that becomes self aware. <laughs> and for a long time it's it was really funny, and then eventually there was like a home invasion, like in the <laughs> so the Roomba is like talking about somebody like attacking his family, and I'm like, what, <laughs> what? Dude, and like to this day, I don't know how I feel about it. Because I'm like, pretty this disturbing. is not what I signed up for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty disturbing. All right, back but anyways, to Seinfeld. Uh, there was a rumor it could be coming to Netflix sometime I heard soon, that. and I and I hope it does. And when they do, uh, I hope they implement a feature. Where for these long sitcom shows, they put like a random episode button in because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't want to just if you like I've seen every episode of Seinfeld. I don't know if I want to watch them in order because that's how we did it in syndication. Yeah, but I would like to just play a random episode because I don't want to go like cherry pick my you, favorite and yeah. just like ruin the experience right off the bat. I just want to like random episode, give it to me. I want to see um you know Jerry Lew- or Jerry Seinfeld does the comedians in cars getting mm-hmm. coffee and he's done George. He's done Kramer. Mm. He's done Larry David, but he hasn't done Julia Louise Dreyfus. I don't think, hmm. which is odd. She seems busy. She she's probably like doing is. Veep and stuff. But I would like to yeah, see her on that show. She, she's actually uh, she's the one who broke the Seinfeld curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah and had a successful <laughs> TV <laughs> show. Yeah. yeah, Matthew, what do you have for your number one? Well, my number one is certainly no Seinfeld. It's probably but no Rockford way, Files either. Kind of <laughs> no, it's a Rockford Files. I, again, a lot of the television watching that I did as a child was not necessarily my television watching. I watched a lot of Wheel of Fortune. Now, I did watch uh, Sunday Morning Wrestling. My grandfather loved Sunday Morning Wrestling with Bulldog Bob Brown. I uh, watched a lot of Hee Haw. I freaking hate Hee Haw, by the way. Mm. So when I got my own television, I thought it was a whole new world. But we still, you know, we had 10 channels. It was a small town. It was the, you know, the 80s. You didn't have a lot of options. So when I did move to college, again, to the vast metropolis that is Hayes, just terrifying. They have two stoplights in Hayes. I uh, started watching things that I wouldn't normally have watched. And one of the things that I never really watched when I was younger was MTV. Until Sunday night, sometime in my freshman year of college, this would have been 1980. Got to be careful because uh, ordering on that time. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been right about the time. I think I was 19 when this came out, 1989. And this show came on where a puppet was riding a motorcycle searching for her lost boyfriend. And then after a few minutes of that, we cut to a sequence where a chunk of Night of the Living Dead was animated with stick figures. And then all of a sudden, we had these two puppets killing each other with knives and forks. And finally, we get to the point where this cartoon comes up, and it is literally life-changing. I've had a few of these experiences in my life. Um, uh, One involving the Boston album Third Stage, where you just sit and something is so overwhelming that it, like, perfuses your very being, and you're just completely and utterly consumed by the media that's going on in front of you. And that's when Eon Flux happened. And from that point on, I watched Liquid Television religiously, bought a VCR, 
mostly to record Liquid Television. And each week, Liquid Television was an anthology of different things, some good, some terrible. Um, there was one ongoing that was just a, a big cliffhanger show called Invisible Hands. It ran seven episodes, and every episode ended with the reveal that everything you knew was wrong and that the guy who we thought was the big bad was working for some other jack wagon. And finally, we get to the end, and it has this completely nonsensical ending that was just so perfect that I kind of loved it. Uh, it was the first place that they actually aired Beavis and Butthead. Mm-hmm. First place that you saw a lot of, um, what's his name, Drew, the guy who does the really, really scary, terrifying caricatures, Drew something. He had an ongoing sequence with Uncle Louie. And it kind of led to a whole bunch of cartoon stuff on MTV. Your, your Daria, your The Max, your Beavises and your Buttheads. Well, All of that stuff kind of spun out of that same sort of thing. Yeah, and, and really thanks to stuff like Liquid Television is where we have Adult Swim today. Mm-hmm. Agreed, mm-hmm. yeah. And if you, if you actually get a chance, and I wish, gosh, I wish you kids today could see the stuff the way I saw them. And I, I, I say that earnestly as earnestly as I ever say anything that ridiculous, the episodes as they're seen online, and I think liquidtelevision.com is still a thing, are not the episodes as they aired. They don't necessarily have all the rights. They don't air in the method that we saw them to the point where that first season of Eon Flux, if you wanted to see all of it, you had to either watch seven episodes in a row or get really lucky the week that they reran the one that played the whole Eon Flux thing. And you saw the whole cartoon from beginning to end. And that didn't happen very often. The show was on for like five years, maybe four or five years. And just every episode was fascinating. And when it finally started to suck, it may have been the first time that media really broke my heart. You know, you're 19, you're 20, and you think that the world is a, just a, a vast, endless array of food and sex and spectacle and you're just kind of flying through it at the speed of sound, and suddenly that cannonball velocity of your teenage years starts to stop, and eventually you're a 44-year-old man on a Tuesday night talking on the internet. But (laughs) when liquid television started to suck, something inside of me died a little bit. And I think that that, you know, that's good in a way, because, you know, you got to understand tragedy to appreciate comedy. But really, to have, to have been there for this show that became a lot of the things that we see today. I don't think you're, there would be a family guy without liquid television. I don't think that there would be, now, granted, The Simpsons as well. But I don't think that The Simpsons would have done the same sort of things without what liquid television created. And I think that in a lot of ways, the end of the 1980s, filmation crappy animation age what they call the animation age ghetto on the tv tropes partly came out of what you saw on liquid television so for me i mean that's that's transformative stuff that's why it's my number one liquid television i wish you could have been there zach sounds like a wonderful time i think you would have dug it i really really do i think that just from from the perversity and the the strangeness of the (laughs) things that you really dig there would not be spongebob squarepants without liquid television hmm Point blank. Yeah. Headshot, boom, baby. Well, you know, Mike Judge with Beavis and Butthead, there's actually a character of um, family, not a family guy. What was his? Um, King of the Hill. King of the Hill. There is a guy in there who Mike Judge does the voice for mm-hmm. that is the prototype of Hank Hill. Yeah. 
That's in, true. In, the, uh, in the Beavis and Butthead. Tom, Tom, Tom Anderson lives next yep. door. Them boys not right. Yep. And basically, if you see any of those things that feature him, you're like, yeah. holy crap, that's Hank Hill. And he it's, used to it's call creepy. Be- Beaver and Buffcoat, what are you doing in my yard? Yep. It's great. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number one? Uh, my number one is more so the the Ninja Turtles. Uh, the number one show that I absolutely had to watch anytime it aired. And I would fight you with my tiny hands if somehow <laughs> uh, I was prevented from from watching it. Um, uh, unlike a lot of these shows on my list, it does not in any way hold up. It's actually a pretty terrible <laughs> show. But it happened at such an important moment in my life that I thought it was a direct gift from the heavens. Um, I'm talking about the Thundercats. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thundercats is a great example of a show whose intro sequence is a thousand times better than any the actual show than any amount of the actual show. <laughs> um, that intro sequence is worth watching over and over again, whereas the show is not. Um, but uh, it's the show was still a lot of fun. My nephews, yeah, somehow got a, got a hold of some old thundercats dvds mm-hmm. uh, or what i mean is dvds of the old thundercats show because there was that reboot uh relatively recently yeah and they love it like they watch it over and over again and i can see that they like about it the same things that i do which is to, to say that there's like uh some sword fighting some robot bears like Weird animals that don't make any sense. And the bad guy also has one of the best transformation sequences um, from from a lot of media. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Thundercats was just a really, really fantastic show. And it set the stage for a lot of shows um, that were very similar um, and kind of really kicked off a trend that was very prevalent throughout the uh, 80s and 90s. Um, but yes, for me, as a as a little tiny child, there was nothing better than Thundercats. And to this day, every once in a while, I will just go to go to YouTube mm-hmm. and watch the the intro sequence, which again is is just a fantastic piece of animation. Yeah, yeah. Thunder, thunder. That's fun. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thunder. Thank you, Rodrigo, and thank you, Matthew, and thank you, Zach. You've heard of all of our top five. Now, listeners, it's time for you to head over to the Major Spoilers Podcast posting page. Share your thoughts on your top five favorite television shows as a kid. Now, keep in mind, you need to be under the same restrictions that we are. Nothing that was in repeats, okay, and stuff that had to come out before you turned 19, okay? Uh, So share your thoughts, share your reactions, and uh, we'll be back soon for more top five because everybody loves a list. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. 